podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And, and occasionally it still pops up. It's like, oh, there's, there's Ben Hunt talking rubbish. You, you remember him from Drive to Survive and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the fact is, I stand by, you know, what I asked, you know, is it embarrassing to have such a poor performance in front of Netflix all dressed up in your costumes and everything? It, and it was. It's lights out and away we go! Welcome along to the Cut to the Race podcast. We've got a guest today. It is Ben Hunt, who is the F1 correspondent for The Sun. Now, there are a few cool jobs in the world, but this has got to be one of the coolest jobs. I'm a little bit jealous. I'm just going to start off by saying that. But uh, Ben, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I don't know if it's that cool, is it? Well, from what I read, you get to go to every single race for free and you get to go to all the F1 events and you do what all of our listeners would only dream of doing. Um, no, yeah, I mean that is that is uh, that is fair. Um, I work for the Sun newspaper in the UK, which, for those people who don't know, um, it's a tabloid. It's an old school tabloid. So we ask the sometimes um, uh, different questions. Let's say different questions rather than awkward and, and nasty and everything else. But um, we try and keep it real. We try and develop a, a flavour. Um, we try and develop personalities, and we also like to stay on top of our stories. We obviously write. In a certain style, um, it's usually short, snot, short and snappy, um, and that's what we try and do. We try and entertain along the way as well. So um, it's a little bit of, you know, it's it's a fun job to have, um, but it's something which I do take pretty serious as well. Um, I do like to be on top of the subject. I was thinking about this um, just a few minutes ago, talking about my, my job, and you know, I still do get frustrated. I've been doing this, this will be my 10th season, but I still get frustrated when other people get stories ahead of me. I still get that that passion. So uh, that's good. It shows you that I'm still interested. Um, and yeah, that's it. So getting to travel across the world following F1, we're, we're currently obviously in the off season, which is, which is great because we get to speak to people like you and we don't have to report on all the races. But what on earth do you do during the off-season? That's my first question today. <laughs> there is no off-season. Um, in terms of my Formula One commitments, I think it's pretty safe to say that, uh, you know, the days of uh, the F1 correspondence at newspapers having time off over the winter has gone. Um, you know, the people that did the job before me would actually, you know, have a good considerable winter uh, as downtime. Um I think, you know, Formula One has changed as, as a beast. And I think that there's stories every day. You can you can really, you know, turn out loads of new stories and features um, on, a, on a wide range of subjects. But the other aspect of, of my job um, is that I'm also a football reporter. So soccer, football. Um, I've been doing that for God knows how many years, coming up probably to 20 odd years. So I did that before Formula One. And of course, in the winter, I go and do games as well. So I get to sit out in the cold and watch football, which um, is actually a good thing at the moment, because obviously with the restrictions in place, there's loads of people that would love to go to a football match. So I'm fortunate in that respect as well. So a um, bit of football, um, you know, and of course, the Formula One as well. One question I do have for you, Ben, is that I am an aspiring journalist myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been writing uh, about Formula One for the past 18 months. And with the Formula Nerds, I've been doing this for almost a year uh, with Formula Nerds. But I would love to know what your 
biggest challenge is being a Formula One journalist. Um, you know, it seems from the outside, it seems like such an exciting job. And as Ollie yeah. said, it's 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 a dream job for a lot of people. But what are the biggest challenges that you face? Um, I think the, the the biggest challenge is certainly the pressure that I put on myself. Um, you know, I, I do have um, friends, rivals, competition, whatever you want to call it. And um, I'm constantly mindful that we, we are um, all digging around the same sort of subject. And, you know, I don't want them to get a, ahead of me. For instance, let's say uh, Lewis Hamilton's contract is signed tonight. I don't want to be in a situation whereby... I open up my newspaper tomorrow and I haven't got the story, but other people do have the story. I think that for me would be massively frustrating because I do like to be on top of things. And I, I think in a roundabout way, what I'm actually saying is that you never actually switch off. So, you know, it is a great job, but I think that people do also need to remember that, you know, you can be out on your 40th birthday and if something happened, if um, Lewis breaks a leg or decides that he wants to retire like Nico Rosberg did a few years ago when you're out shopping, you have to be there to be able to react. So you have to have your phone on you pretty much all the time. I never really turn my phone off except for getting on the aeroplane. So it's actually being responsible and um, making the calls and writing the stories when you need to. And it's about, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out and, and and not missing that story. I think that's probably the biggest thing and, and the biggest single most pressure that I put on myself to, to do a good job and to make sure that I, I'm on top of the situation. This year, sorry, last year, 2020, it's obviously been a different season. I take it you haven't been yeah. travelling everywhere with the circus. Um, how was how that compared to, different, to, to other seasons? So when you've been right there in the action compared to um, having to to wait for third party information maybe I, I don't know how how's it been how's it been yeah i mean i did about half the races last year um it was it was different i think the biggest uh difference compared to normal was the fact that we're doing everything via zoom there was no face-to-face and i think as as journalists you do rely on face-to-face uh interviews more so than than any other industry because you're you're judging body language you can assess tone a little bit better and you can have a little bit more fun whereas a, a zoom chat um as fun as this one is it's quite it's quite difficult sometimes to build a conversation and build a rapport build banter whereas obviously face-to-face it is easier the other aspect we've had is that we've had no access to the paddock so we've been going to the circuits um do get our temperatures done and our covid tests done but then we're escorted effectively to the press room and that's where we stay so most people don't know what a press room is like. It's like a, a giant uh, room that we do. It's like an exam room, basically, with lots of TVs, um, and we're all spread out. But the access that we get is pretty much the same as people at home. I'd probably argue that, you know, if you was an avid viewer watching on Sky Sports F1, I think you'd probably get more information sometimes than, than we would at the track because you have commentary and you, you're able to pick up on everything that's going on whereas we're watching the 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 formula one feed um but there's not much data coming through so it's a tricky one um it's not as good as in previous years but of course we've understood the reasons why and we've gone along with it um i just hope that at some stage we can get back to how it was and do you think that this year 
with there being 23 races on the calendar compared to obviously 17 last year with the circumstances. Mm. Do you think 23 races this year is a bit ambitious? You know, you're, you're looking at the back end of the season, you've got um, three triple headers mm-hmm. at the end of the season. And, and do you think that might be quite ambitious for this year? Or, or do you think that they can, um, you know, they're able to, to complete yeah. that? I think it is ambitious. I think that, you know, there's a number of factors why. I think Liberty is a, is a company that wants to make money. It's listed on the stock exchange. So, you know, by coming out and, and, and swinging and, and going for a record-breaking 23-race uh, calendar in the middle of a pandemic, says, you know, wow, you know, like these guys mean business, which is a good thing, a good front to put on. Um, you know, I think it's always good to, to aim high and, and maybe fall a little bit short than the other way around. Um I, I would be surprised if we get the, the full 23 in. I think that it's going to be a bit of a tight squeeze, certainly in the latter half of the season where we've got all these triple headers and ambitious plans um, to travel the world. And, of course, we don't know what the situation is going to be like um, then. But, you know, if it does come off, then then great. I mean, you know, had you asked me this sort of question um, around April, May, June last year, um, you know, indeed, when when F1 put out that 17 race calendar, I said, no way, there's no way that you're going to be able to do this. And of course, lo and behold, they did. Um, so they deserve a, a lot of credit for that. And I think that's given them some confidence going forward um, and for this year. And, you know, if it comes off, brilliant. Well done to them. But let, let's just see first. I think we've got to get through the first couple of races. I think testing is going to be in Bahrain and the season openers in Bahrain before coming back to Europe. So let's just get those first few over the, over the line first. As you said, this is your your 10th season in F1. And what I quite like about um, The Sun and the way that, that that you report F1 is that there is actually a bit of Ben Hunt within the, the text there. It's... Um, <laughs> It's it's got a bit of personality to it. Um, and I'm sure like any other content creator, you watch the stats, you see which articles are doing the damage, you, you, you see where the clicks are coming from. I personally, I love your headlines. I, I love those those catchphrases at the beginning. Some of them, honestly, they, they tickle me. What I wanted to know was what was... What's been your best one? Maybe even just from last year. What, what did you think? Oh, I really nailed that one. You know what? Um, you know, I, I, I'd love to take the credit for the headlines, but I, I don't do those. The people oh. in the office, you know. So, oh, no. Um, you know, so I'd be, I'd be stealing their thunder. We, we do uh, have competitions across the whole paper um, for who does the best headlines. And I think there's usually like a podium, first, second and third every month. And the winners um, all get gifts and you know um vouchers and stuff so you know there is a competition healthy competition amongst the subs but unfortunately i I'm, you know what i'm not going to claim credit for those there's uh there's other people doing that there's certainly fun stories and i can do the fun stories but uh headlines okay. um is up to me I think for the fun a, stories let, let, let's transition what was the, it what was the uh, well let's think about that let's answer the headline first there was one the other day which was um the Mazapan story, and it was um, asshole was the, was the headline. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that's pretty explicit. That's that's the sun style in a nutshell there. So uh, that's quite a fun mm. one. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, a number of fun stories, um, usually involving a certain Lewis Hamilton or Sir Lewis Hamilton. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's just, look, it's a fun job. I try and bring fun to my writing. Um, people think that I'm often having a go at, certainly Lewis, but I'm not. I do have a a fairly good relationship with him and the team. Um, But people misunderstand that sometimes. So, you know, on Twitter, I maybe do get a little bit of heat every now and again. But unfortunately, that's part of the job. I think going back to one of your earlier questions, Emma, about um, 
you know, being a journalist, I think, you know, the other aspect apart from, you know, dedication is actually having thick skin and, and putting up with the criticism when, um, when you get it. I think sometimes when, you know, when you're starting out, it can be quite tough when you're getting ripped to shreds by people on the internet who don't know you, um, you know, and, and, and have never read any of your stuff before. But of course, you know, you just have to be prepared to, to take that, to roll with it, to agree or maybe disagree. But you can't take them all on. Um, you certainly can't take all the all the trolls on. Otherwise, I'd be doing that, you know, 24-7. So, yeah. And that's that's something I completely agree with. When I started writing, um, you know, we we the, the things that we do for Formula Nerds, we don't actually get paid for. We, we do this voluntary because it's a huge passion of ours. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy writing. And when I started writing, the amount of criticism that some of my articles would get just purely because I was writing, it, it was my own opinion. Yeah. Um, but you do, you definitely learn how to, you know, how to grow a thick skin. And, and some mm-hmm. of um, some of the articles that I have written for, I think it was um, Perez versus Albon, you know, the fight for a top drive. I think there was quite a lot of like salty comments in there, yeah. um, certainly from some of our followers, but you just learn just to read it and, and have a bit of a giggle at it. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I've if, certainly learned that. Yeah, definitely. If you, if you if you can laugh, I think that's the that's a good good outlet to do. You know, um, sometimes I find it quite helpful. I don't know about you, but if there are people that are making points, sometimes you think, oh, maybe that is a valid point. Maybe that's one for me in the future, an article that I could perhaps do and look at the other side of the argument. Um, but yeah, I think there's you know sometimes it's good to read those comments, but other times if it's getting too nasty, then. Yeah, just back away. So tra- traveling with the circus over the years like you have, um, uh-huh. what's the best story you've got that wasn't published in the sun that, that you're allowed to share with us? Oh, best story. I, I, I mean, there, there have been a number over the ta- over the years, but um, probably stuff which I probably couldn't talk about if I'm brutally <laughs> honest. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't want to get anyone into trouble. I mean, um, you know, look, you know, we, we do travel fairly closely with, not so much drivers, but certainly team members, um, you know, and, you know, you do build up friendships and certainly amongst colleagues. And of course, like, you know, all sorts of things, if you're going to spend that much time with, with each other, then you're going to find yourselves in, you know, situations which are funny, situations which are sometimes scary, um, you know, and all sorts, you know, I've been through the lot and, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of, I guess, personal stuff, really, you know, you're just going, going through it it's difficult sometimes being away from your families for such a long time. And, you know, not me personally, but I know that some people have struggled um, in the past. So I don't know. There's lot, there's lots of things. I'd, I'd need probably a good day to think about the best story that I couldn't, couldn't tell you, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. no, there, there's, there's lots. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's a big thing. Oh, well, <laughs> on the flip side, Emma, I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to go with a follow-up. What's, yeah. what's the biggest sort of, Cock up. What's the biggest mistake you've made? Because there was, there was one yeah. time when you found yourself in. Go the... on, you, you tell me. You come on. When was my biggest one? Well, <laughs> I'm not going to do Under that. Pressure now, Ollie. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I, I, I think it was a, uh, a website trying to put a spin on a story that wasn't there. Is what I think it was. And what I'm referring to is the Toto. Oh uh, yeah. Story. This is this is the drive to survive thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's quite a funny one. It was around this time last year, um, or was it late? Probably about this time later in the year. And um, there was the Mercedes car launch, and 
we, we we had some chats with Toto and Toto said to me, he said, have you seen the um have you seen the episode yet? And I was like, no, no, because um, you know, we, we don't we don't get consulted um to by by Netflix. Like they, they show the teams the footage and obviously the teams have a right to edit certain bits out and whatnot. But um, you know, we certainly don't get that as journalists. And um I was like, no, I haven't seen it. He goes, Oh, it's it's very funny, it's very funny. And I was like, okay, fine. So I rolled with it. And then um, I was out in Mexico for Formula E um, and Susie, Susie Wolf was there. And she's like, oh, have you seen it? And I'm like, no. She goes, oh, God, you've got to see it. You've got to see it. And I was like, well, okay, yeah. So it's kind of like mindful. They both mentioned it separately. And I thought, okay, fine. I better, you know, let's see what happens. And, of course, when it come out and then there's me being filmed, being a I don't know, perhaps a little, it comes across as if I'm really obnoxious, but I'm not really obnoxious. It's kind of a, you know, a little bit flippant, funny. Mercedes have just had their worst result in years and they've all dressed up and it's all in front of Netflix. And obviously Toto was pretty, pretty angry himself. And it, it just, I don't know, it just came out. But it was like what I said to you, you know, I don't, you know, we, we do the headlines internally, but yeah, we do do headlines, you know. And then uh, he snapped back, and it was just one of those things. But uh, yeah, I, I got loads of abuse um, for that um, on Twitter, and I don't know. I, I made what I mentioned there before, like you know, you, you try and take them on, but sometimes there's so many of them that you just end up banging your head against the wall. And and, and occasionally it still pops up. It's like, oh, there's there's Ben Hunt talking rubbish. You you remember him from Drive to Survive and blah blah blah. But, yeah, the fact is, I stand by, you know, what I asked, you know, is it embarrassing to have such a poor performance in front of Netflix all dressed up in your costumes and everything? It, and it was, you know, ultimately, that was the, the question I needed answering. And if I didn't ask that question, my boss would have been on to me saying, why didn't you ask him? You know, there's so much of, of Formula One is taken up um, in press conferences by techie questions and i know you're called the formula nerds and that's great but there are a lot of nerds in formula one that ask so many questions you know like we might be at a race and you know someone will ask about um tire stints in a in a practice that might have been like three races ago and you think jesus what planet are you on like you know everyone has a right to ask ask questions but where's that going to feature in any news story all right i, I hold you the know? line we, we are not that nerdy uh no, ben okay. just so you know I'm <laughs> to hear that because yeah. i don't really know who is that nerdy but there are those people out there and i just i just sit there and think oh my god what on earth is going on here am i in some parallel universe and you know tires they love tires and you know yeah. I know we, we, yeah, we're all working for different sort of publications and stuff, but so much of my time gets taken up with listening to questions that I have no interest in whatsoever. So, um, you know, so anyway, getting getting back to to that, yeah, that that, that Toto stuff was, um, yeah, it was pretty belting. But um, in terms of the the biggest story I got wrong, and and this is actually a funny one, but um, it was when Felipe uh, Massa was at Williams and it was I want to say the Japanese Grand Prix Williams was was sniffing around drivers and Jensen I think was available his contract was up and I've done a, a piece in the paper you know the fact that Williams were asking Jensen about a return to to the team and um, it went in the paper um, and the story must have been about three hours old 
when Williams confirmed that Felipe was staying on and it was like, oh, damn, you know, you, you take a punt on a story based on mm. someone that you spoke to and it was genuine interest, but of course it all moved on since, you know, that person I'd spoken to and it was just like, you know, my colleague was ribbing me at the time, like, oh, yeah, of course he's going to sign. Don't forget he's going to sign. And it's kind of like a bit of a bit of a funny one and you just sort of think, oh, well. Sometimes they come off, sometimes they don't, you know? Yeah, was, for sure. Uh, there was one... Um, one of the one of the good ones was um you remember when Fernando Alonso had his uh had his accident um in in Australia and yep. I think it was oh was it China I think afterwards there was a Chinese race or I, or I, I want to say China but I remember being on the on the plane on the way out and I and I did the story the fact that um it was a doubt for the race there was a, a chance that he could fail a old school fitness test on the on his injury and um I'm sure it was after Australia, but uh, anyway, so I've done the story wherever it is, Alonso in doubt, and I had people coming on the on the plane, people from McLaren saying, I like your story, but it's not true. People like Eric Boulier was, um, was walked past, he's like, absolutely ridiculous, absolutely never going to happen. And I was like, okay, fine, well, let's just see. And then, of course, lo and behold, he gets ruled out. The doctor does a medical and says, sorry, sorry, mate, you're not fit to drive. And I just thought brilliant you know they're the ones that come off and they're the one you're like yes get in <laughs> yeah um yeah. But, so you you have to take the rough with the smooth so yeah the jensen button was a nightmare and the alonso was a good one just on the the subject of um drive to survive that we just spoke about do you think that's had a a really positive effect on on the sport in um sort yeah. of in my opinion it's it's brought a lot of new fans yeah. um into the sport especially a lot of younger fans um, yep. with the, you know, having Lando Norris and, and George yep. Russell coming into the sport as well. Um, do you think it's had a, a sort of positive effect on on the sport? 100%, 100% yeah. I think that that was um, a really good move that um, Formula One did. Um, I'm quite critical of them, um, Formula One generally. Um, I feel that they could do so much more. I mentioned before that I work in football and, you know, I see what football clubs do and I see how it works. And then I look at Formula One teams and I see how little they do with their local communities, for instance. And I just think, you know, it is such an open goal to get local communities involved in in, in backing your team, you know, people around the factory, all that sort of stuff. Um, and of course, it same applies to Formula One. I think that they could do so much more to make it good. But one of the good things they did do was get Netflix in. And I think that has been a success. I think it's been popular not only for Formula One fans, I think it's also brought a whole new audience in. And I think that audience has been a younger audience. I also think that more females have got into Formula One as a result and, and also increasing the diversity, something that, you know, Formula One is definitely trying to do. And I think that by making it um, and editing it in such a way that you're seeing the characters has been really beneficial. Um, Back in the olden days, it would have been the newspapers that developed those characters and the behind-the-scenes access and, you know, all the colour. That's the sort of stuff that newspapers would have provided. But unfortunately, our access um, and the way that the drivers interact with the press and the way that they're trained and very guarded has sort of diluted a lot of that. So we will not see, I don't, in my opinion, we'll not see the sort of characters that we've we've had in the past Um you know, I think that they're, that they're more professional. I think, you know, they're guarded and it's just different. But I think that Netflix and the access that they've had has allowed them to show that and to tell that story. So that's good. Um, and, and, and long may it continue. I'd like to see 
more access, more shows, um, and more fun, and just bring the sport to life. Because I think that there's so many characters there that are just, you know, not explored. We, we, we know the big ones. We know Lewis. We know Max. But there's so many people behind those teams that we don't get to to see, to talk to, um, and to find out more about. So. Yeah, it's good. Let it, let it continue, as far as I can say. I think it's definitely made um, Formula One more colourful. Hmm. Um, and it's kind of um, given us all that access that we wouldn't normally see, especially in a time when a lot of people are criticising Formula One yeah. for being boring. Yeah. Um, and it certainly introduced me to a few of the of the drivers um and and sort of formed my own opinions of them just from watching Netflix, which yeah. you don't normally see in front of a TV screen. Um, so I, I completely agree with that. I think I think what 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 people need to to realise is that they're a, a production company, so they're looking at it from a different perspective. If we compare it to Sky Sports, for instance, um, traditionally a, a news organisation, so you know it's always news, hard hitting. There's very little that goes on outside the paddock, which. I find a little bit frustrating because as far as I'm concerned, the best interviews happen out of the paddock. They happen, you know, away from, from people because otherwise the drivers are in this mindset. They're being bothered by engineers or autographs. I think if you get them in a totally different setting as Netflix seem to manage to do, um, then it's far more beneficial. You get more out of the driver. Whereas Sky, obviously they're on a schedule it's always constantly, but all the interviews are taking place in a motorhome, in the pit lane. I think it's quite difficult to bring those characters to life in that sort of setting. But I think, as I say, Netflix production company look at it from a different perspective and they're able to set stuff up. The teams are very accommodating as well because they understand, but they're also quite welcome in the fact that it's a different idea rather than having X, Y and Z sat there talking for 20 minutes. They're actually going to do something beneficial and of course the drivers like that as well i mean you know you go and take them you know i don't know surfing or something like that is is a lot more fun um than sitting them down for 20 minutes talking to, to to someone in the paddock so that's that's what i'm going to say about netflix i think the fact it is a different approach and it works for them and i think it's great i really do i know that 2020 was all the the, the year of lewis i i've read that lewis is rated your greatest driver of all time is, is that right it's difficult, isn't it? Because I can only speak from the stuff that I've watched and the people that I've spoken to. And I never covered Formula One during Senna's time. You know, my first year was 2012. So I've really only got to experience Lewis firsthand. And yeah, as far as I'm concerned, he is the best. The stuff that I watch him do, you know, the argument about the car is the car. It's not just the car, it's him as well. The ability that he has to pull stuff out of the bag, the consistency. You know, I could go on, but I don't need to because everyone knows, you know, yeah. it's there. It's it's just obvious. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll stand by that. There's no way that I can turn around and say that Sterling Moss was the best driver, having never witnessed Sterling Moss drive a car mm -hmm. competitively. So, you know, I'm only talking as I can, and that is based on my experience. Okay, um, so let's just, the, my final question for you is, is based on your experience. So we're looking ahead to 2021. Um, I've got three questions for you. Um, Lewis's contract, Perez yeah. and Aston Martin. Right, okay. Um, yeah, Lewis's contract's weird, isn't it? I mean, uh, I did a piece 
for our, our website the other day and they they phoned me up in the office and said this piece is flying like you know it got up to like one and a half million views or something and i'm like well it's because people want to know the news people want to know what's going on and i was trying to keep people informed as best as i know because it's a very strange one um let's recap you know if you're looking you know throughout the season valtteri's deal was done in august quite a straightforward renewal same sort of money, same sort of terms, extra year deal, couldn't believe his luck, signed it straight away, brilliant, he's a winner. Lewis's deal should have been the same sort of thing in theory, but of course, you know, he turned around and said, first off, it was, um, I don't want to sign a deal during a pandemic, it sends the wrong message. Okay, mate, yeah, that's fair enough, if, if that's how you feel, I mean, totally get that. Then there was the, I don't want to concentrate, oh, sorry, I only want to concentrate on winning the title. Okay, that's another fair one, right? I'll, you know, we can have that. Once that's all done and dusted, then once all the distractions are, you know, don't need to be worried about, you know, the title's in the bag. Then for me, that was the time when those contracts should have been signed or at least moved closer. But for whatever reason, there wasn't. Since then, um, he's obviously had COVID. Uh, that ruled him out. And then Christmas came. And then I think well, it was the 18th of December, Toto last spoke and said, you know, Lewis and I haven't spoken yet. And Lewis's contract ran out on the 31st of December. So at the moment, he's he's not under contract. You know, he's not bound to any team. It makes me wonder just why he's in this situation. How has it happened? Whether he's happy, you know, whether he thinks that he has greater leverage being out of contract. The problem is there's nowhere else for him to go. All the other seats are taken. And, and that's not to say that, you know, a team may, you know, move a driver on if they wanted him that much and were willing to pay him whatever he wanted. You know, of course, that could still happen. I don't think it will. I think he does want to stay at Mercedes. I think he wants the records. I think he wants another year at least. Um, I think that he then wants to make a decision on whether he stays in 22, when the rules change. I mean, that, that for me is a natural, logical thing. And I, I have no reason to distrust Mercedes. Um, but it's just a really odd situation. I can't think of another one where it's, it's, it's got like that. These deals are always usually, you know, done and dusted. Um, Toto's latest thing was the fact that we, you know, we Mercedes, I mean, um, have, you know, all the time in the world until, you know, a deal might be done just before testing. And you think that's a hell of a gamble because, you know, you do need commitment and they're placing a lot of trust in him. Um you know, to, to, to sign that deal. So, mm -hmm. strange one. If you ask me, will he sign? Yeah, I think he will. Um, yeah. I think he will. I don't think he'll go anywhere else and I don't think he'll quit just yet. It's just a really odd situation. There's a long mm. answer we, for you. But, um, no, well, we, we, we were speculating and Emma actually hoped that Lewis was going to go back to McLaren to finish his career with Danny <laughs> Ricciardo. Uh, That's my dream um, team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, look, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm one for those sort of decisions. Um, hence the Jensen button back to Williams story, which I was gutted about. <laughs> but um, yeah. no, I, I mean, would, would, would he go back there? I don't, I don't think so. I can't see him. A, a lot has changed at McLaren and I think it is an environment that would, would suit him now more so than, than previous, you know, mm. Zach Brown's an easier boss to get on with than Ron Dennis. So I think that it would work, but I just don't think that they are able to offer him what he wants from a racing car at this particular moment in his career, which is a out of the box one, which is capable of winning titles. And, you know, that's fine. If that's what he wants, who wouldn't want that? So yeah. yeah. 
Um, Perez, if you have a question, I, I think Perez is a really good signing for Red Bull. Um, I know there was a lot of people that were like, yeah, I can't believe he's not going to be in Formula One. And I thought, well, yeah, maybe. But then, you know, maybe not. I mean, I was a bit out, jury is out. But the way that he finished that season so strongly, and I just thought, you know what, this guy, and I go back to when he was at McLaren, you know, they obviously saw something in him. Uh, and it was a real difficult time at McLaren back then. Um, and he always delivers. You know, if you think that he was ruled out for two races as well um, last year and then winning as well, and you just think there's no way that this can be ignored. And to also have a situation whereby you can park Alex Albon as your reserve driver, no matter how hard that will be for him to take, I think that he is the sort of guy that you can do that to. He will bounce back. Um, he's not going to go anywhere else. So it made total sense for Red Bull to do that. I also think that he's also the guy, we often talk about Max Verstappen sort of crushing his teammates. And I don't think that he's going to be able to crush Perez. I think Perez has something inside him which makes him resilient and he will stand up and he will deliver. And if in actual fact, I think this season is going to be a bigger test for Max mm. than than Daniel was, than, than anyone else was actually. So I think that he's going to have his work cut out um, staying on top of Perez because Perez was, you know, nothing to lose and, and everything to prove. So I think it's going to be a good fight. Um, and I hope that that brings the best out of Red Bull, um, if I'm honest. I think that they need to see the season to start strongly for them and to keep it interesting um, for all of us. So I'm hoping that Perez goes good um, and I think that he could make life difficult for Max. I think that's what all of our F1 fans want to hear is uh, a competitive Red Bull with yeah. Perez giving it to Max, I think. Um, Absolutely. And then, and then we do find out just how good he is. I mean, this is, this is one of the arguments, you know, you talk about Lewis going up against Bottas. Um, Bottas isn't a slouch, we all know that. But, you know, we want to see them in equal machinery. You know, you want to see the, the, the Max go up against Lewis in the same car. That's what we want, you know, the whole benchmark is he really that good well let's just see we've got a different driver in a red bull someone that's got ability let's just see how good max actually is so i think that's going to be quite exciting okay and then your predictions for aston martin i think that's what everyone wants to know at the moment what are they going to be like in 2021 it's tricky i mean i have two two feelings about aston martin um i think that you know, if, if I look back to, let's go back to how they were at Force India um, and think about that team and the fact that they were, you know, everyone loves an underdog and I think they were kind of everyone's second favourite team, you know, like, you know, delivered on a very small budget, um, colourful characters, colourful car, and everyone was like, you know, good on you. And then I think that, you know, following the, the takeover of, you know, by Stroll and, and then the rebranding as Racing Point and the pink car. I think last year it it left a bit of a sour taste. I think the whole copying of the of the Mercedes and the, the whole, you know, taking other people on, it was kind of a you don't like it, see you in court attitude. I, I found that a little bit difficult to take. Um, you know, equally the, the, the COVID, um, you know, tests of, of of Lance and the, the way that that was was treated, uh, and also the way that, that Lance is sometimes in press conferences. I think people people see it and think, "Hang on a minute, what's what's going on here?" Um, so it's a it's a difficult one. Um, that said, I am a big big fan of 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 that team. 
uh, under its previous guise, and there's some great people working there. I'm also um, quite a big fan of, of Vettel. I, I really like him as a as a as a human more than a racing driver. I think that he's quite engaging. Um, you know, get, gets gets a bit. I think I think a lot of people don't understand him. Um, he's very private. Uh, they they remember the things that he does wrong, the spinning, the crashing, um, driving into Lewis in Baku. You know, and and you know some of those things are pretty pretty naughty. But he's actually quite a good bloke. So. I'd quite like to see him go well. I'd like to see the team go well. I'm just not so sure how well they are actually going to do. Um, a lot depends on on what their technical partnership is like with with um, uh, Mercedes, and we'll have to see just how many bits are, are borrowed and carried over legally uh, this year. Let's just see. It's always interesting. I, I, I want to see more competitive um, cars on the grid. I think that you know last year seeing McLaren do what they did and finishing third in the constructors was a, a massive boost to everyone. Um, it shows you the team that okay they're a big team but they are you know they did have money problems and I think that they made no secret about that. I think Aston now have the ability to to sort of match that and I think that they should be looking for third place in the championship. If they achieve that and they do it the right way, then great. You know that's what I want to see. Green car on the grid? Not so sure. Not sure about the colour, but. Apart from that, let's let's just hope that they are competitive. Um, if they can take the fight to to Renault, McLaren, um, and whoever else is in that that mix, then great, then great. I think they've definitely set their sights on challenging Red Bull and Mercedes. They're definitely not going to come into the grid and expect to be a midfield team. But yeah. you you've just touched upon one of their drivers, Sebastian Vettel, and. Um, you know, I, I never used to be a big Vettel fan until mm. he actually started growing up and maturing. Um, <laughs> when he was driving for Red Bull, I hated the finger and <laughs> all of that sort of stuff. He just drove yeah. me absolutely insane. But a driver that does that for me now is Lance yeah. Stroll. Yeah. Now, a lot of our followers have differing opinions on Lance Stroll. Quite a yeah. lot of them think he shouldn't be in formula one some of them think well you know give the guy credit he do have you know he does have some talent yeah my personal opinion is i i just think that there are other drivers out there that are more deserving of a seat than lance stroll he has made a lot of mistakes i think that the way he conducts himself um to journalists and and the media is is unacceptable at times he does have an attitude problem but what's your honest opinion on Lance Stroll having a Formula One seat, do you think he deserves one or do you think there's someone else that could potentially um, take that, that drive? He deserves ultimately he does deserve one because he's you know his old man's bought the team. I think if you were looking, let's put it this way, if you were if you were owner of that team, would he be your first pick? Excluding let's say all the other all the other, you know teams on the grid have, have got their Gasly's and, you know, Ocon's and everything else is sorted. Would you pick him to partner Sebastian Vettel in a team? And I think most people, if they're asked and they're honest, they would probably say no. I think that there are better drivers out there. That said, on his day, he does have the ability to deliver. I think that um, qualifying... He, he, he's not great, but I think during the race, he's actually pretty consistent. I think he's pretty good at going forward. I don't think he's a bad driver. I just don't think that 
he would be a driver that I would pick in my team unless he was my son. And I think that's ultimately where he's at. I think his attitude is wrong a lot of the time. I find him quite um, rude. Um, you know, his body language as such is is frustrating for me as well. And you mentioned the, the finger that Vettel used to do, and that was frustrating for a lot of people because, oh, God, you know, that's so annoying. But whereas Lance doesn't have the, the success, but he still has the ability to rub people up the wrong way. Um, you know... I think the the big thing this year is that he needs to be competitive against Sebastian. I think he needs to show that. Um, and I think the other benefit this year is that he's not going to be the bad boy on the grid because there's going to be someone far worse than him turning up at Haas. You, you've nailed my next question. Um... Oh. <laughs> but I think I think that he has he has he has the potential to to turn it around and to gain a little bit more public support. He just needs to be a bit nicer. I think he needs to be a bit more, you know, maybe a bit more happy. I, 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 I don't know. Appreciate what he's got. You know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of talk within F1. You know, they say, "Look at him. He doesn't want to be there. He's only there because he's he, his dad's forced him to be there." And sometimes you look at him and you think, "Is that true?" You know, like, do you want to be there? Yeah, that's quite an interesting point. I mean, I I think he does want to be there, but he's got this sense of arrogance about him because yeah. he's like, my dad owns the team and, you know, I've got this seat for life kind of thing. Yeah. And it's it, it's that sort of arrogance that, that I absolutely hate about him. Um, well, that's, I'm, I'm, that's, yeah, I, I whinge about him in the podcasts a lot. Oh, and yeah. I, <laughs> I, I think, unfortunately, that that's just in him. You know, he's grown up. He's fortunate to grow up with an incredibly wealthy dad. Um, and I don't think that he knows any different how to behave. Um, you know, there's an argument in football. Um, you know, people say, oh, I don't like that player. He's arrogant. You know, he's really arrogant. And I say to them, well, what do you expect? Because ever since he was five years old, he's always been the best player in your team. So he's gone with his local little manager. I love you because you're the best. Give the ball to him. He's the best. And he gets to six, in it, then seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. He's always been the best player in the team. Everyone's always told him the best player on his team. Gradually, you're going to believe that you are the best player in your team and that you are untouchable. It's the same for Lance. Lance has always been fortunate to have the best car. Oh, look, he's going to win because he's got the best car. He's the best driver. He's going to do it. He's always going to win. Eventually, you believe that hype and you're conditioned in a way that you fail to see any other point of view. So... He doesn't know any different. That's just his life. That's the way that he's brought up. I think that there needs to be a bit of humility there. I think that he does need to realise just how lucky he is. And I think that is the frustrating thing. People say, oh, look at him. You know, he really does need taking down a peg or two. And I, and I agree. I think that's probably where it's at. But it's not his fault. It's just the way that he's been brought up. He's fortunate to have that, you know, money behind him. Um, but that's just the way he is. Okay. So... We've spoken about a driver where it's not his fault. Yeah. Um, there's another rich lad coming into F1. Um, yeah. If you were Gene Haas, would you... By the way, we're not allowed to say his name on this podcast. We, we've banned <laughs> it. Um, so but, it's it's the driver of car nine or Voldemort. But would <laughs> you have him on your team if you were Haas? Not a chance. Not a chance. I think... Um, don't get me wrong. The money money is a, a big thing for, for that team. Um, you know... I really, I struggle with Hass. When they first came into the, into the team, I remember talking to their press guy, not their current one, it was an old one. 
And I was like, uh, you know, what's the goal? They said, oh, the goal is to increase machining, percentage of machining tools in Europe. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What, what, what do you want to achieve from Formula One? I mean, not not the company. He goes, no, no, that, that's what we want to achieve from Formula One. We want to sell more, you know, machining tools. I'm like, that is absolutely rubbish. I was like, what are you going to do with the car? Are you going to change the colour? Because this was during testing. He's like, great. It's like, no, no, no. We, 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 we want to be seen as, you know, we just want to blend in to Formula One. I'm like, that is just so un-American. I thought it was going to be eagles, red, white, and blue car, you know, like go to town, stars and stripes, all that sort of stuff. Of course, that wasn't the, the goal. So it was like, for me, I was like, identity crisis. What does this team want to achieve? And of course, going forward, there was last year, you know, and the rich, was it last year or was it year before? I can't remember now. Rich, oh, two years ago. Two years, yeah. Rich, rich energy deal. Um, mm. And of course, that was a strange one as well. And I thought, Okay, they've done a deal. That was a weird interview, by the way. That was that was probably one of my other weird moments. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, and, and, and I remember thinking, you know, why have they done this? Do they really need the money? And of course, like everywhere F one team, they do need the money, and they see the money as a way of progressing forward. Long answer short, I guess they see that the money for the man that we can't men- mention, his dad, that will bring in, they see that as a way of moving up the grid. I think last year was very frustrating, you know, to finish so lowly as they did. They stuck faith in two, you know, fairly decent peddlers, but but not not the best in my opinion. But, um, you know, they, they've, they've shuffled the pack. They've taken the money. Unfortunately, they've got to, they've got to live with this now. Um, but I think it's going to be quite a difficult one for Gunter to manage. I think, you know, two rookies, two very different rookies as well, you know, Mick's going to be a different character. He's going to bring certain pressures, um, as will the eyes of Ferrari, because they'll be monitoring him, you know, every single time that he goes out. And of course, the other dude, they're going to be worried about what sort of mess he's going to get into. So I think it's going to be a tricky one for them. Yeah. Uh, my final question on this, I'm just dying to know. As a journalist, hmm. you clearly don't agree, and I've, I've seen that in, in, in what you've written. How do you now approach this in terms of you don't want to publicize the guy because you don't want him to benefit out of your work, but at the same yeah. time, he's currently what everyone's talking about. How, how do you deal with yeah. that? It's a tricky one because um, he hasn't really done any proper press yet. And I mean that as in a sense of they announced it, but he wasn't really made available um, for people to ask those questions to. And, and since then, he's, you know, he hasn't, he's done the interview with a Russian publication, um, which come out and there were the quotes about Mick and, you know, his name means nothing to me and blah, blah, blah. That's okay. That's interesting, but it wasn't my interview. So I don't know, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt to a certain extent on that because I didn't do the interview. I can't speak Russian. I can't read it. So I don't really know what those, those quotes are about. Um, I've done a piece today, which will probably go online later. And it's about, you know, has to say they're going to educate him. It depends on what they're they're going to try and do with him, but ultimately, I don't think he's going to listen until you get the authorities, and by that I mean F1 or the FIA, to step in um, and actually say, you know, you can't you can't be doing things like you were doing in the past. You've actually you know got to be a bit more straight laced than that. Otherwise, we won't tolerate it. And I think that only then will people start. Or only then will he start listening. Um, and, and taking taking the role of a Formula One driver more serious, I think that's 
ultimately where where we're at. Um, I think it needs the authority, you know, F1, F by A to say, rather than Hass say, we're gonna we're gonna educate him. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I think we're we're at. It's gonna be, a, as I say, a tricky one for Hass to manage. Can Gunter do it? Well, yeah. I mean, we were talking about drive to survive earlier on. We know that he he yeah. can manage personalities. Yeah. There might be a few more square words coming in. Um, I can't wait for the season. I tell you. you know, <laughs> I think. But but it is funny. I, I I do feel for Hass because they do tend to lumber themselves somewhat with these these crazy characters. Um, yeah. You know, rich energy and, and and now now the man that we can't mention. So let's see how it goes. I hope it works out. I hope he sort of realises that how fortunate he is and like Stroll we were talking about earlier on, reevaluates, you know, and thinks actually, you know, I am fortunate to be in this position and, and use it as a cause for good rather than, you know, cause problems. Mm. And I, I really look forward to seeing it when you when you get the microphone in front of him and uh, where, when you get your first interview with him. I can't wait well, to read that one. Probably, probably won't now. <laughs> but, you don't um, anything too bad here. <laughs> no, I, I, I say, I mean, look, I, I don't, re- you know, I only know the guy, I know the guy's history. I've watched him race. Um, I'm surprised he's there, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I think that we were talking about other drivers. He finished fifth in the championship last year. I think that, you know, Callum deserved a go, in my opinion. But, of course, he doesn't have the financial support. So, you know, I guess I understand why they've done it, Has They've got to stick with it. They can't fire him, you know, because of the reason and everything else. So, Let's just see how it goes. I mean, what do you think about what do you think about him? Oh, oh, uh, good question. Oh, I I could say a lot of things about him, but um, mm. I I am extremely surprised it has for keeping him. I mean, I understand the main reason, obviously mm. the money. Yeah, they're in desperate need of the finances to keep afloat in Formula One. Yeah. But the moral side of it, the fact that they're actually keeping him in the team despite what he has done, yeah. um, the Formula One community aren't letting this go. You're, you know, you see every time that poor social media manager from has has to post yeah. something. Yeah, you see the hashtag. Yeah, and it is everywhere. And I think the the Formula One community, the fans, there's a lot of smaller publications that have just refused to publish anything about him this year mm. I think the message is is very very clear and the fact that has haven't listened to that is is beyond me what about what about the fact that it's obviously what he did was wrong um but the girl put out the fact that they were friends and everything else and I'm not saying that it was right because obviously it's not right but do you think the problem was exacerbated when it was all deleted and it just made it, it just confirmed what everyone else knew at the time and thought, hang on a minute, she's just saying this apology to, to, to appease someone. The, the, the big yeah. problem for me started when she then started hashtagging uh, respect drunk girls or uh, along those lines. Yeah. She, she then started yeah. putting other things out, which if you, if you then look at her social media afterwards, it indicates that she was not okay with the situation and that mm. you know, it was not quite what meets the eye. But uh, I think he's unlucky to have done that in this era. Um, there's, I say unlucky. He was an idiot to put it on social media. He, yeah. I'm, I'm sure a million things like that have happened in the past and people have got away yeah. with it. I think he made a, a big mistake as a young chap and it's it's ruined his career. Uh, there, not, will, there will be those people of a you know, who will say, 
yeah, exactly that. Things like this happened in the past, but it's the social media aspect. And I think that, you know, for me, the, the, the weirdest thing was the, the apology, no apology type of thing. You know, mm. it was kind of everything was purged, wasn't it? And it was like a bit of a, you know, kind of wanted a clean slate type scenario. Um, mm. But there's been there's been silly things, you know, like happy birthday, COVID. Did you see that message? That you, yeah, out? we we actually spoke about this on one of our podcasts because yeah. um, Bottas mentioned something as well. <laughs> it was the same week. Yeah. It. And <laughs> yeah. We we sort of um, were comparing the two statements, um, but yeah, we, we saw that as well, and we we, we mm-hmm. just thought it, it shows the immaturity of them. It does, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, in, I can't believe I'm going to say, start this sentence, but in their defence, they live in a very different world to us um, in terms of the exposure that we have with seeing the lockdown and everything. You know, we, we, I would imagine that the majority of people listening to this will take it very seriously, whereas. I'm not saying that they don't, but of course they live in a, a slightly different scenario where they're in Monaco and they're able to go out. And I think I, I don't know where the man that we can't mention lives, but um, you know, Valshan obviously has a, a, a bit more freedom. He's in Finland now, for instance, for, mm. for his winter break. So, you know, it is a bit bit different. But of course, yeah, he did make that comment, didn't he? Something about um, you know. Bat, bat, don't eat bat soup or something like that, wasn't it? I, I, I think Bottas said. Um... A year ago, what was your highlight of the year? And Bottas said, um, "Well, it wasn't someone eating a bat in Wuhan or something like that." And then, right. and then, uh, the guy who shall not be named said, "Happy first birthday!" I think it was. Mm. Um, yeah, he did. He put it on his yeah. Twitter page, and it yeah. was just very out of out yeah. touch. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think just what you were saying about you know, with it being a different era, with with Formula One trying to be so much more diverse. Yeah. Um, with their with their efforts against racism as well, the fact yeah. that there is there are more and more women um, yeah. coming into the motorsport industry, which is Absolutely. which has been male dominated for years and years. Um, I just I just think it's it's going to be very very difficult for them this year, and I'm very surprised that um, mm. you know the the powers that be, you know the FIA Formula One, they they haven't done anything and i think it's it's been in quite poor taste given the circumstances yeah and i, I think i agree with you and i think that was my my biggest surprise the, not the fact that they kept him i fully expected them to keep him but i thought that there may have been a you know a, a bit of a uh, a tougher tougher stance from fia or f1 um they put out a statement condemning his actions but that's as far as it went i think and i bring this back to, to football i think if you see something like that happen in football, then I would like to see that the FA, the FA or the Premier League or even the club take a tougher stance because that cannot be happening in, in modern society. So, and especially with the whole we race as one thing, um, you know, it for me, that was the biggest disappointment from F1. And, and as I mentioned before, I've done this piece and I just think that, you know, F1 and FA need to get on top of this situation because... They haven't penalised him, you know. If, if someone else does something similar, what happens then? You know, they can't turn around and say, "Well, you didn't punish him," but of course, it wasn't right. So, I think get on top of it, and they should have, you know, certainly had stronger words for him. It's it's been it's you know I've been carefully looking at the reaction on it on on Twitter, and 
certainly from from women that that work in the sport, their mm. their opinion is that Formula One are essentially condoning this behaviour, and it's it's left um, a bit of a sour taste, um, and they're they're really quite disappointed that they're not taking um, a harder stance on it. Well, we we did look on one of our last podcast episodes, and and he did break the FIA sporting regulations, didn't he? Um, yeah, he did, it was a yeah. breach. So the fact that it's been brushed under the carpet, I know Gunther says it hasn't, and that it's an ongoing situation. But as far as the F one community can see, it's been brushed under the carpet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to make it's going to make things hard for him, I think, this year. I mean, you know, like you mentioned, has having a difficult situation managing him, but of course, if he gets out-qualified, out-raced and out-scored by Mick at every single opportunity. How's that situation going to be? I mean, we, we were talking about Stroll earlier on and the fact that he's there by virtue of the fact that his dad owns the team. Well, it's a slightly different situation for um, the man that we can't mention. The fact is his dad's on board as a sponsor, but they have no obligation to, to keep him on board if he doesn't deliver. And of course, we all know that there's exit clauses and all sorts going on in, in contracts. So, you know, let, let's just see how that that works. Um, the other piece that I, the other or the other thing I should mention is that sometimes in Formula One, it's very drivers uh, um, get a reputation very quickly. So, certainly, if you think, you know, let's talk about Grosjean. You know, the man that he's replaced. Do you remember that quote where Mark Webber said, you know, his first, first lap nutcase. Um, and that and that kind of stuck with with Grosjean throughout his racing career. I can't help feeling that there'll be a similar comment attributed to the man that we can't mention. And I think it could be quite difficult for him to to to, to shrug off that that reputation, no matter how how he tries. So let well, let's see, let's see. Let's see what you can find out when you ask those um, when you when you ask those those difficult questions. I'm, I'm really interested yeah. to see what sort of what comes out and what's said when when everyone can get back together and uh, yeah. ask those questions. But um, Ben, can we ask to have you back on the podcast when? Uh, when brilliant, amazing. Thank you. Um, it's been a really interesting insight to um, to hear yeah. what you've had to say and, and, and share your thoughts with us. So thank you very Don't much. Have on. Thank you. Um, I have gone on too long. No, you haven't. You haven't. <laughs> I'll just spend the rest of my life editing it. It's fine. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm only joking. We're, um, we're normally online for about three hours doing podcasts, and it's uh, uh, it's, it's this a, is nothing. We, we, lo- we love a good natter. <laughs> um, do you want to give out your Twitter for anyone who would like to follow your? Um, uh, your no, your... they can find me. I'm sure they'll find me one way or another. Okay. All right then. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us and we will, yeah, we'll have you back on soon. Cool. Sports Social Podcast Network.